uh, it's an interesting parable. And you just, normally we stand in honor of reading God's word, but it was told to us today. And, you know, have you ever had one of those, those aha moments in your life? I'm talking one of those moments where you, you finally get it. You know, um, this morning we're beginning, and, and through, through the entire fall, we're going to begin this series looking at the parables in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm excited about this series because Luke was one of those men who, uh, who were, was tasked with the challenge of, of writing down God's Word. Now, Luke was uh, an incredible author. He, he actually wrote a majority of the New Testament. And if you uh, were to wonder about Luke, if I were to say, hey, who was Luke? A lot of you would say, well, Luke was a doctor. And you'd be right. Luke was a physician. He was a Gentile. It was interesting, as you think about Luke, he wrote a third of the New Testament. If you look at the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke is the longest gospel in the, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament. It's the longest of the gospels. He wrote the book of Acts. Luke actually wrote more passages of Scripture than Paul. And, and it's just a fascinating picture when you think about, about, about Luke. Luke was under the same process that all the biblical writers were under because, you know, like 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, that all Scripture is God-breathed. So when Luke penned these words, penned these stories, it, it was actually God breathing his word into the life of Luke and, and God giving us this gift of his word. And, and when you think about what Luke wrote, when you think about the gospel of Luke, it's interesting because he starts in his book with John the Baptist, the story of John the Baptist, and then he ends the book of Acts with the gospel going all the way to the Roman Empire. And so Luke is, a, is an author in Scripture that God used to articulate the, the, a narrative, a historical narrative from the, the time of John the Baptist all the way to the point where the gospel was spreading all over the world. Now, over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to turn our face to the parables in Luke. And, and we're actually going to look at this all fall. And, and I'm so excited about digging into the stories of Jesus. And when you think about a parable, what does a parable mean? Jesus was a, was a master storyteller. And I loved our example here because I could picture it being like that. Jesus gathering around with people saying, let me tell you a story. And, and, and as he's telling this story, he's, he's using this, this beautiful art of telling a parable. Now, what's a parable? My, my whole life growing up and studying the Bible, I've heard a parable described as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, now the actual Greek term for parable means this. It means to cast alongside so it's like a fishing analogy where, where Jesus is, is casting alongside an earthly story and he's, he's giving us an eternal meaning, a heavenly meaning, a, a, a God vision for the world. And in the parables, it's interesting because uh, Walter Wink is a guy I read and, and he articulated the parables like this. He says, the parables are like tiny lumps of coal squeezed into diamonds. They're condensed metaphors that catch the rays of something ultimate for our lives. He called them jeweled portals of another world enabling us to see through their surfaces the refracted lights of divine truth that would otherwise blind us 
or passed us by. Now, now what Jesus is doing as he tells these parables, as he gathers people around him, he's saying, I want you to understand the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing that you and I can live on this planet and we can understand the kingdom of God? Now, what is the kingdom of God describing? The kingdom of God speaks to something that we get to experience on this planet. You and I get to experience the kingdom of God, God at work in our lives, God at work in the world. But, but the kingdom of God also describes something that we will yet, we will experience in our future. Do you realize that one day when we stand before God, we will see his kingdom? There, there will be a day when we walk through this, this door called death that we will experience the kingdom of God. You know, as your pastor, one of the things that I want us to, to, to understand and, and one of the things that I believe God has called me to do in, in your life and, in, and, and is, to, is to help you see that when we walk through that door called death, it is not the end. It is the door to the kingdom of God. In, in the parables, Jesus casts alongside this, this kingdom truth and gives us, and, and what he does is he opens the door to his kingdom. So I want us to read the text. So would you stand with me? We're going to read, starting Luke chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. And I think this will sound familiar from our story time. It says this, verse 1, Soon afterward he went on through the cities and the villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, who from, who, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others, who provided for them out of their means." And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. And and as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what, what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. And as for, the, for that in the good soil, 
They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And this is the word of the Lord. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, now the root idea of a parable is to be like. And you know, every time I read this parable of the sower, I can't help but look at myself in the mirror and ask myself, what kind of soil is my heart? And often when we read the scriptures, we're confronted with our life, confronted with life, how we live, what God is saying, how God is speaking. And this is, uh, this is the call that we have this morning, to allow the Lord to, to speak to us, to confront us, to guide us. And, and you know, the, the, um, we, we obviously live in a world that's headed in the wrong direction, don't we? I mean, can't you see that? We live in a world that is, that is um, struggling to surrender to God. We live in a world that is, that, that even in church, we want to come to church and say, God, I'm going to come on my terms. This is what I believe. This is what I think. But the reality is, who is going to stand before God and say, this is what I want? No. We are compelled and moved to come to God and say, you are the king of all kings. What does the Bible say? That, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And see, we live in this world that's upside down. And what Jesus does with these parables, and I'm excited about spending literally months in the parables, as we, as we learn and listen and understand and seek to understand the kingdom of God. I mean, I'll tell you, we, we are desperate to understand the kingdom of God. We are desperate to know the Lord. And we live in a culture, we live in a world that is desperate to know him. And I'll tell you, it's my prayer that as we turn our face to the parables that God reveals and God speaks and God creates in us a soil that is receptive to his word. That's interesting. As you look back at verse 1, look at this. Soon afterwards, uh, Jesus is traveling through all the cities and villages. And what's he doing? He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's traveling, crowds are following, people are coming and flocking to Jesus. I mean, there's miracles taking place from his life, and, and, and you know, people are amazed at his teaching. They, they've said about Jesus, man, when you teach, you teach like someone with authority. I mean, you are different. I mean, people are coming to Jesus going, who are you? I mean, Pharisees and, and Sadducees, these leaders are looking at Jesus going, golly, man, you, you have a power to you. And they're intrigued by him. Uh, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night. And, and all these, this discussion about Jesus, he, he's feeding 5,000. He's healing he's people. He's casting out demons. And people are like, man, there's something to this guy. Now, the Jews were expecting a savior. They were expecting to someone to come and deliver them from Roman rule. And it's interesting. These crowds gathered. He's, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. 
The 12 were with him, it says, and, and also some women being, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. So, so you know what's interesting is we, we are in this Me Too culture in our, in our world and how uh, you know, when I think about Jesus, Jesus did more to elevate the status of women than anybody I've ever seen in history. He, he here is these women that are making incredible contributions to the kingdom of God. And ladies, I want you to know, God has a plan for you. It's, you know, we have all kinds of debate in, in Christian circles about, oh, women, you don't have a place in the kingdom. And I'll tell you, Jesus did more to elevate the role of women, and this is one of those examples. He's pointing to these ladies who are making incredible contributions. And look at this, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. And, and you know, when I look at this parable, this parable causes me to look at myself in the mirror and go, Lord, what is my heart like? And point number one is this. Let's just look at parables for a second. Point number one is this, that parables, what do they do? They open a window to the kingdom of God. And in this parable, as, as this window is open to God's kingdom, it says some things about God. You know, the first thing it says about God, that God is a missionary. Isn't that amazing that God would be a missionary to us? I mean, if you look at this parable, who's the sower in this story? It's God. God is the sower. God is the one that has come to us. God has come to humanity. And, and in the past, God spoke to humanity through these prophets. And, and he sent these prophets with a word of God, word of the Lord. And these prophets would boldly proclaim God's truth. But, but now, Jesus entered human history and the game changed. Everything changed. God came for us. And God dwelt among us. God took on a body. And here as Jesus is, is walking among these crowds, here is God in the flesh standing in front of them saying, I want you to know something really important. And it's interesting how, how this God entering human history was a deliberate act of God coming for us as a missionary to rescue us and to save us. In this parable, you see God as a missionary. In this parable, you see that, that salvation is clearly revealed. Now, now, let's think about this for a second. You know that God did not have to reveal the salvation plan to us. He was under no obligation to tell us how to be saved. And what does Jesus do in this parable? He, he, he comes and he says, here is the salvation message. And I, I, I want us to understand something. The, the world we live in, where we've been planted, the greatest need people have is the salvation message. We are desperate to know how to be saved. And it is critically important for us as a church to be stewards of this salvation message. And, and I want you to know something you'll see in this parable, and you've, we've already seen it illustrated, we've read it, but do you know that every disciple is responsible for kingdom secrets? I mean, I'm sitting here as we're worshiping today, and I'm like, Lord, you have, in, you have revealed kingdom secrets to us. 
Now let's understand about these kingdom secrets. These are not secrets we're to keep to ourselves. These are secrets that we're to go share, like like God as a missionary who came for us to say, I've come to reveal to you secrets. And then God has entrusted us with these secrets of the kingdom that we're to go share with people who are in desperate need of Christ. And and I think about us and, and how important it is for us that we, who are we as a church? We're the light of the world. We're like a city that's on a hill that can't be hidden. When you, when you go to work tomorrow, you're, you're to go as the light to the world. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you're like a city that's up on a hill. And, and it's my prayer that we, we catch this. I, I, I hope you come tonight. Because, come tonight. Family Matters is tonight. We do this about four times a year. And, and tonight is a very important checkup for us. So if you are a member of this church, I pray you come tonight to Family Matters. Because it's important for us to process this reality, why God has planted us here. Like, like Matthew 9, when, when he saw the crowds, Jesus was constantly seeing the crowds. When he saw the crowds in Matthew 9, he had compassion because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the Lord of the harvest, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends out workers into his field. Now I'm not going to get off on that because that's tonight. But I'll tell you, Jesus is, is in this He's revealing the secrets of salvation through this parable. And, and we see this missionary God coming to reveal his salvation message to the world. Point number two is this, the salvation message must be clear. Because when I look at this parable, this parable separates the true seeker of God from the casual hearer of God. We live in a world that it is, and there are many messages that, that, that we can come to Jesus on our own terms. I see many people that say, that, 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 are, that are still struggling with the universal problem that God, I, I, I'm God, and I'm going to come and, and go my own way. I want to go my own way. I want church in my own way. I want to I do my own thing. I want, I want life to be convenient for me. God, I want you to be convenient and you fit in my schedule. And this is the world that we've always lived in. This is not a new struggle. And then in, in this passage, it's interesting because you find often when a great crowd gathers, Jesus says something that causes a crowd to go, uh, what, what's he talking about? I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow him. Remember when Jesus was uh, saying to the crowd that was following him, hey, if you want to follow after me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I can see the disciples going, hey, Jesus, come on, we're growing here. Come on, we, 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 don't be offending everybody. And see, here's the thing. If, if you're going to a church and you're, and you're never offended, something might be wrong because I, I often read the Bible and I'm offended at my own life. I mean, I, I, that's, a, that's, an off, that's a common experience. And Jesus, he's not worried about offending the crowd. Verse 4, a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, and he said in a parable, and this is the parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now, this was a story that related to these people. This was an agrarian culture, an agrarian society. They understood about planting seeds and, and, and growing things, and, and this was the world they lived in. 
And he says, okay, it makes sense. A, a, a farmer sows seed, and, and some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and birds ate it up, devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And, and some fell along the thorns and grew, it, grew up with it and, and choked it. And, and some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's a pretty clear parable. And then he said something really interesting. Look at verse, look at verse 8. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he doesn't say just, it makes sense. Hey, if you have ears, hear this. No, he didn't say that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, now, when I read this and I pray through this and meditate on this, it stops me in my tracks. Because I have ears. But there are many times in my life that I don't have ears to hear. If you're married, you understand this. Because there have been times I've heard this, my wife say, you're not listening to me. I, you hear me, but it's like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And Jesus is pointing to a reality. It is a dangerous thing to come to the Lord without ears to hear. Now, you know what, I think this is, this is a critically important passage because one of the things that Jesus has done, Jesus has come, Jesus came into human history as a missionary so that we would know that we have eternal life. God has put this church here so that people would know that they can have eternal life. And there are many in the world who misunderstand the gospel. Now, there's a book that you ought to get. It's a, it's a reference book. It's a, it's a thick book. It's going to cost you 50 bucks or so, 39 maybe, 39.95 on Amazon. But it's a good book. It's called Systematic Theology by a guy named Wayne Grudem. So you got to write that down. Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M, Systematic Theology. It's a reference book. You're not going to read it cover to cover because it'll take you like six years. But, but, I, but I love what he said in this book, and, I, and I'm going to put four of his points on, on the screen today. People don't understand the gospel. People don't understand the gospel message, and can I tell you, it is critical for us as a church to understand the gospel message and then to share it. Now, I want you to know about the gospel message. You know that knowledge about the facts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us is not enough. For people can know facts, but still rebel against them or dislike them. I, I know a lot of people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe he existed. Well, no, no kidding. So does every credible historian in the history of the world. But, but I want us to understand something. Knowledge about the facts of Jesus' 
living and even dying on the cross and saying, oh, yeah, he rose from the dead. Okay, yeah, I believe that. It's not enough because I know a lot of people that know those facts and say they know those facts, but they dislike them. And they're like, Jesus, I don't know. I don't want to follow your rules. I don't want to go on your terms. It's my terms. You know, merely knowing the facts and approving them or agreeing that they are true is not enough, for people can know and approve of facts about Jesus without surrendering their life to him. And my greatest prayer for every one of you is that we've come to the point where we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. We live in a world where people want to try Jesus. They, we we want to say, I want to come to Jesus. I want to see what you can offer me, Lord. That, that was this crowd. People were like, well, let me see what you got, Jesus. Are you going to deliver us from the Romans? Okay, show us. Hey, do another trick, Jesus. No, that, that's not why he came. He didn't come to do tricks for us. You know, it's interesting as I look at the Pew Research. I don't know if you've studied that. I, I look at this. The Pew Research, as, as people are, there, there's a rise of gro- a growing peop- number of people in our, in, our, in our country called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And it's the, there, there's a rising group of nuns. These are people in our country that are saying, I really don't believe in the Bible. They, they are cultural Christians. Oh, I, I live in the United States, so I'm a Christian. Or I, I grew up going to church on Christmas and Easter. But now there, there's a boldness to say, yeah, I'm walking away from my faith. We've had even just in our culture, in Christian culture, this last month, a, a, a prominent pastor, a prominent leader that, I've, that I read some of his books has now come out on, on Instagram saying, I'm done with my faith. I'm not even a Christian anymore. And so it's interesting how... Uh, to wrestle through that tragedy, that reality, the questions that come up. Can someone walk away from their faith? I don't believe you, you, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I think the Bible's clear on this, but, but I think it is true that there are a lot of people that are maybe in the church that come to church that don't have faith. There's probably some here in this room that what kind of soil are you? And this is one of those passages that confronts us with our hearts. To experience saving faith, what does that mean? What does saving faith mean? It's that moment that, that I decide to depend on Jesus to save me personally. It's that moment that I realize, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm in rebellion against you. Our faith in Christ should continue to increase as our knowledge increases. This means that the more we come to know God, the more passionately we strive to follow him. And see, this is the soil of a heart. That is right. Look at verse 9. It's interesting. The disciples asked for some further explanation. And when the disciples asked him, okay, Jesus, what does this parable mean? And he says to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, one of the practices we have at our church is we challenge one another to memorize Scripture. 
With every series, I say to you, and I I want to challenge you to memorize a passage of Scripture. And throughout this entire series in the parables in Luke, this is the passage I want to challenge you to memorize. Luke chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And it's interesting, and it causes us, and and this is one of those passages that we're going to have to think about for a while, because it seems like Jesus is going, wait, wait a minute, I thought Jesus came to make things clear for us. I thought Jesus came to clear it up, but it seems like right here that he's saying, no, I'm speaking to you in parables because those that believe, you know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to those who don't believe, they're going to be confused about it. You know what he's referencing? He's referencing Isaiah 6. Remember Isaiah 6? It's this moment in the life, the prophet Isaiah, when he, when he gets the call of God. In Isaiah 6, he says, I saw the Lord, and he was high and he's exalted, and he sees God, and he's like, woe is me, I cried. I am ruined. God, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah sees God, and he's like, Whoa, it's me. And then uh, and God says to Isaiah, Isaiah says, what shall I do? Who, uh, I'll go for you. I'll go and I'll serve you. And God says to Isaiah, you're going to go to a people who are seeing but not perceiving. They're, they're hearing but they're not understanding. What is he saying here? He's saying there are many people who are coming to Jesus and they're not hearing him. They want to, they're coming on their own terms. They're going their own way. And, and I pray that we spend some time memorizing this passage that, that I don't know that um, I think we would not normally memorize. We want to memorize, you know, Philippians 4.13. My God can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I want us to memorize Luke 8, 9 through 11, and think about these secrets that God is revealing to us and the heart that is receptive to the Lord. When I look at this parable, I'm I'm confronted with this mirror in my own life. Point number three, and there's something I can't get us away from. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, explain this to me. You know what I think Jesus is saying? I think he's saying point three. Look, God puts you here to work this land. You know what Jesus has done? God has planted us here in Owasso, in Tulsa, to work this land. That we we are to work the land where we're planted. We are to take the seed of the word of God. What does Jesus say? Verse 11, he goes, okay, guys. Let me prepare you. Let me help you understand this. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And can I tell you, we are responsible with the word of God. I, as as, every time we gather on Sunday morning, I better not get up and just tell you some funny stories. We better gather around the word of God. Because the seed is the word of God. And God has given us his word and revealed it to us so that we would be responsible as his followers, as his church. And I'll tell you, I pray that one of the things that we are known for is that we are responsible with God's word in this place. And he says, the ones along the path are those who have heard 
then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that may not, they may not believe and be saved. There, there, there are times that we will share the gospel and we will share the word and Satan will attack. And can I, can I tell us, when I read my Bible, I, I, I see that, that we're to be engaged in this spiritual battle, that we're to take our stand against the devil's schemes that Paul said. And, and when I look at this and I look at our church and I pray that we are a church that says, we will take a stand where God planted us. We will take a stand against the devil's schemes in this place because what is happening when, when the word will, will, be, will be shared, Satan will attack. And I pray we are a church known as a, as a group of people that together we take our stand against the devil's schemes, Satan's attacks. He says, verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those who, who when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while in a time of testing fall away. You know what I see here? I see those, those preachers that promise, hey, Jesus is just going to make your life better. Oh, he'll make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And I know of a lot of people that say, look, I, I, I did what that preacher said, and God didn't keep his bargain because my life is tough. And we forget that Jesus said in John 16, the gospel message is this. Jesus said, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. You see, there's many people that come to Jesus and they're promised and, and preachers make a mistake of saying, hey, it's always going to be better. And, and I, I want you to know when you follow Jesus, it's not always easy. It's actually going to cost you. It's a free gift. But let me tell you, it's not cheap. And when you come to Jesus, you die to yourself. I don't come to Jesus and say, God, I'll come to you, but I'm not going to let go of this sin or this habit. No, I come to Jesus and say, Lord, you are Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You see, this is critical. And I think about this passage. And some fell along the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Folks, I gotta, I gotta tell you, this life, this world is not our goal. And I pray that we recognize that this world is not our home. We must never forget this. And I think about how God has put us here to work this land. As for those, verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You see, the most natural thing for us, we, we looked at this as we went through this series in the walk, that it's natural. Once you come to faith in Christ, once you trust him as your Savior, this fruit begins to produce. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit convicts you and guides you and leads you. When I think about us as a church, it's my prayer that we are faithful to communicate the salvation message. Folks, we live in a world that's desperate to know the Word of God. Desperate to understand the true gospel. I can't get away from this 
this statement that Jesus makes. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I can't read this parable without holding a mirror in my face and acknowledging, Lord, I pray that I would be a man with ears to hear you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Has there been a moment in your life where you have Come to a point where you said, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. You don't come and say, God, I'm going to come, but I'm going to hold on to this. God, I'm going to come, but I'm not going to give up this. No, we, when God calls us, we... we when we see who Jesus is and what he's done, what do we say? God, I'm a sinner. I need you. Is that where you are? If you come to Jesus today, he won't turn you away. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And as Joe comes and leads... Our invitation is all of us in this room. Can we ask the Lord, God, would you give me ears to hear? Our altars will be open. You can come and pray. And pray right where you are. Some of our staff will be down here. If you need to process what God is saying to you, We're here to help you.